Miles Adcox is the CEO of Onsite, an intensive workshop-based therapeutic center and host of Fox's The Daily Helpline. Passionate about helping others, leading people to positive change, Miles has founded and managed multiple counseling and trauma centers and recovery programs. Miles speaks nationally on various topics, including leadership from within, organizational health, and emotional wellness. Miles lives in Nashville and works frequently with the music industry to help coordinate and provide coaching, consulting, and other services for those in need. He has been a featured guest on the expert The Dr. Phil Show, The Doctors, A&E's Intervention, and is an expert in trauma, codependency, emotional wellness, and family systems. Miles joins us today in Let the Music Play podcast as we discuss leading ourselves through self-awareness and empathy. Hi, I'm Ashton Gustafson, and this is Let the Music Play. I need my touch points with depth. I need what I what I need to be reminded of more than anything is that when somebody asks me how I'm doing, I don't go to find. Hmm. I get honest, and honest and honest may be, especially with the people I trust. You know what? I'm struggling. Got some anxiety. That here's where it is. It's between about a one and a ten. I don't have to dig into why. Just acknowledging that I have it keeps me in an emotional. It keeps me in an emotionally aware space, which keeps me emotionally fit, which keeps me alive and walking around connected to the people around me in a more present way. Hey guys, Ashton Gustafson here, and welcome to another episode of Let the Music Play. This is where we chat about what it looks like, what it feels like, and what it means to make music with your life, your relationships, and your career. Um, Today joining us on this episode um, is a guy that I have admired admired from afar. Uh, He is the CEO of a place in Nashville, Tennessee called Onsite. You've also Maybe you've seen him a couple times on um, Dr. Phil, and he's kind of uh, even on uh, Fox's The Daily Helpline. Um, but Miles Adcox joins us today, and uh, I think we just have a lot of beauty and insight and joy to uncover uh, from him and his story um, and the good work he's putting out into the world. So, Miles, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Ashton. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely, man. So, um, for those of us that maybe don't know you and your work, uh, or familiar with uh, that which you're putting out in the world, you want to give us just a little brief overview uh, of you and maybe your story over the last few years. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I was I was headed down a career track uh, several years ago, fifteen plus years ago, that I really thought I was supposed to be on, and um, it was it's kind of in the sports and, and broadcasting lane and. And I liked it. I've always been fascinated by kind of the art of communication and, and story. Uh, but there was something about uh, parts of that that just weren't quite lining up. And one of the things uh, that kind of, um, I guess, smacked me in the face, if you will, is um, I had kind of ignored uh, for quite some time a calling and or a passion um, out of what I felt like was duty obligation uh, to what I was supposed to be doing instead of what I was called to do. Hmm. And what that led to for me uh, was uh, somewhat of a breaking point. Not somewhat, it was a breaking point. <laughs> the wheels fell off, and, and I uh, really bottomed out with some depression and anxiety. And for someone who uh, felt like I had a Ph.D. in image management and <laughs> Um, it was a uh, it was a bit of a crisis because I, I kind of couldn't hide anymore, and, and uh, I also wasn't much on the idea of reaching out my hand and asking for help. 
Um, but once forced to do so, uh, what I discovered quickly um, was probably the most magical and longing-lasting um, foundation uh, principle experience that I live on now and try to share as much as I can, which is this, this message that I think we bury um, underneath all these messages, and it's unfortunate. I think we save it for people that are lucky enough to land in crisis at some point in their life, mm. uh, which is just really unconditional grace. Uh, mm. looking, looking at people at their worst and seeing their best, um, there's, there's nothing that, that turned my lights on more than that in my own process and in with other people. And so when I had one of those moments where right people came around me at the right time and, uh, and, and the lights came on for me, I, I kind of at that point committed myself to wanting to be a part of other people's journey going forward and doing that in some way, somehow. And so that's what got me on the track of getting into the, the helping profession. And, and what, uh, you know, onsite came along several years, several years into that, because I, be, I really began to think about uh, what is a vehicle that is, is diverse enough in its offering that it could support everyday people struggling or stuck in everyday situations. Mm-hmm. That we shouldn't hang on to this, this unconditional grace uh, and unconditional love message that builds people's worth from the ground up um, only for people who need it. It should be available for everybody, and so that's that's what led led me to uh, being a part of and kind of creating what we created at Onsite, uh, which is short-term intensive therapeutic workshops, and, and we've got a 70-bed retreat center just west of of Nashville, and and people fly in from all over the world every Friday, and we bring them in for a variety of different workshops. We run them about 46, 48 weeks out of the year, and everything from living-centered program, trying to get more in balance to deeper therapeutic issues if you're struggling with, with emotional trauma or anxiety or stress of some kind. So that's 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 who I am and what I do. Hmm, beautiful. Now, and, and on-site, when you mentioned it a little bit, but um, there there's everyone is welcome, right? I mean, it's not just for people that may have some major traumatic issue that, that they need to work through or addiction. It is for, for those people, but it's also for... I mean, you have professionals. I'm sure you've got artists, musicians, people that are really just sifting through everything. You, you've got a place for them as well, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and that's that's uh, we we want to, as best we can, build this little platform that we operate on that, that has a pretty good reach uh, to make it to, to really reduce stigma and make it normal for people to come and take a look at who they are where they've been and who they're becoming. I think we all have a story and we want to give people an opportunity to, to look at not what's wrong with them, but to look at what's right with them by the yeah. fact that they're willing to hold up a mirror well, and say, this is what's not working. This is what the parts I want to rewrite. And this is who I want to become. And yet the, the, the creative community um, is, a, is a big part of our audience as, as well as the athletic community. But th- those, I think anybody with a public profession, in some way, um, which are a lot of people in the arts, uh, especially in music and film, um, it comes with this unusual subculture, which kind of breeds stress. And so we have uh, been fortunate to become kind of an ancillary service to those communities, and it's, it's a big percentage of our participants, but it is open to everybody. How how did your crisis, how did, how did your moment of, man, the, the interior world uh, and the exterior world are, are not aligned as they should be? How, how has that helped you lead on site? I, I would imagine that 
you knowing some of the Dark Knight of the Soul moments really has carved out a beautiful space for you to be the leader of this place. Thank you. I, I think <laughs> I think it's it is both uh, provided me with an advantage and an obstacle, huh. if you will. Huh. I, I think, um, in a sense, I'm constantly trying to turn my mess into a message. I mean, <laughs> don't don't get me wrong. That's I, a good I, word. Feel like I am on the recovering uh, end of uh, finding emotional balance. But no. uh, what I've learned is that's not just something you arrive at; it's something that you have to sustain. And so there are days I can be as much of a mess as I was 15 years ago. Yep. And so what I want to do is not run from that, not hide from that, not box that in, but to let that breathe. Because I think as leaders, uh, we try to um, almost broker and sell empathy now that we know it's a powerful connection tool. Mm. But you can't really push something that you don't you don't have or you're not practicing. And so to try to walk into the workplace and say, here's who you've got as your leader. And in some ways, what you have is, is, is a broken a human being who some days I'm, I'm going to show up strong. Some days I'm not going to know the answer. And I want to invite you guys to be the same way. That's how we're going to operate as a community. Wow, that's beautiful. That's really, really good. So um, one of the things that I've noticed from afar is that, uh, and I don't, I'm, I'm sure it's not a written rule, but it's just something that you guys do there, that, that the guests are not allowed at on-site to introduce themselves by what they do. Um, and I've noticed, too, in some of your interviews, when people ask you about your work, you, you often reframe the question and, and begin with who you are. Uh, which I, I think is just such a beautiful thing. I mean, it, it, this has really shifted my thinking in so many ways. Tell me a little bit about the significance of this. When people arrive uh, and, and they're sharing with people about their story, they're sharing um, the trials they're going through, the thing they're trying to sift through, and immediately you go, hey, th- this, this isn't about what you do. We're going to really get to the nitty-gritty of, of who you are at the divine and the soul level. Yeah, I think uh, I think we is is just human beings, especially in our culture, in every culture, but especially in our culture, we all get lost at some point. Um, those who are awake to the moment of getting lost, you might experience the pain and stress that comes with it. Um, if if you are really good at armoring up. And it might manifest in some other way. But um, I think we all deal with attachment, meaning we attach ourselves to messaging and to people and to branding and to all these things that we're supposed to be. Mm. And somewhere in the middle of it, we lose this opportunity of who are we. And one of the easiest traps for me, because I'm a recovering workaholic, <laughs> um, is uh, to get over-identified or over-attached to my profession. Uh, mm. That makes up uh, this person that is me. And, and if you pay, if you start paying attention, I think we all do that because we're all very driven uh, culture and we kind of over-identify ourselves with what we do. But I want to get... We, we work with a lot of really talented and creative uh, human doings, I would say. In other mm-hmm. words, we have a lot of people that come to our workshops that do a lot of really cool and important things. What we want to do is get to know you as a human being. Yeah. And there's something about when you take away... Um, which for some of us can be a, a pretty big medicator, 
what I do, and, and you have to sit and be with who you are with other individuals. It kind of levels the playing field. Yeah. It can be a, it, it can be a little awkward in the beginning. It's one of the first exercises I like to do with people is is, is just to join up with a stranger and spend about thirty seconds each way talking about who you are. The only rule is you can't mention anything you do. Wow. What we know is that ninety um, plus percent of the people within the first five minutes of a conversation, or really the first minute of a conversation, are going to talk about what they do professionally or ask the question, what do you do? And so how, how would you say that, I mean, when that's right out of the gate, when you enter it on-site and, and you're, you're leveling the playing field, do you think you use the phrase armoring up? Um, does this allow a little bit of the guard down to, to peel back a lot of these uh, really, really tough layers sometimes that we've put around our heart to really get to the heart of the matter and who we are. Yeah, I think it does. I think initially, and I that armored up is a term I borrowed from my friend Brene Brown, who I love yeah. um, the way she describes. She's she's brilliant with metaphors, and so she's taken a lot of the language that we have over pathologized and really clarified and cleaned it up so that it makes sense for everyday people. But that's one of them. I think we all walk around with our own set of armor. But I think initially, when people walk here, walk on to campus, and we do that, uh, they armor up because hmm. people don't really know who am I without what I do. Well, but over time, uh, you know, within 24 hours, we find there is a deeper place in our soul that we relax and breathe into when we realize we can let go of the hustle for a minute. We can let go of the, man, I've got to impress you by what I do. Uh, And uh, if I tell you what I do, then what's that going to mean about your perception of me? Hmm. When all the comparison goes away and all the judgment subsides, um, we, we honestly, we go from being isolated and alone to connected and together. Hmm. So let's talk about being connected for a minute, because I know that's, uh, a place where you've got some really, really great stuff to dial into. Um, you've said before that connection is a two-way street, um, that we have to connect with ourselves before we can connect with others. You want to hold my hand a little bit and, and walk with that? Yeah, I think, you know, it's to be an effective connector or communicator, it's an interesting um it's an it's an interesting space to kind of walk into. I've really been fascinated and curious by it because I see a lot of really great communicators and, and conduits to community connection, meaning um, thought leaders uh, in the business community, in the self-help world, therapists, to even really influential pastors who are a mess, you know, behind their message. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and yet they still have some impact. They still have the ability to do that. So it's not... I would say um, I am I am learning a lot because I, but ultimately the message that you've heard me speak about in the two-way street is I think ultimately the only sustainable way that we create and build authentic connection is if we mirror and model what we're asking people to do. Hmm. And I, I hate to be as simple as saying you have to practice what you preach because, again, we see uh, imperfect human beings in really influential seats all day, not doing that is still having an impact. But I think a sustainable impact really requires you to have empathy for yourself before you go out and try to have empathy for other people and their stories. And that's the hardest part. Yeah. I, mean, 
I'm a I'm a helper by trade, and so uh, I give me a broken story, and it's it's like a ice water on a cool day, <laughs> um, in some ways. Yeah. Uh, but that's not a sustainable model because I've crashed and burned um, out of my own codependency, yeah. just chasing down other people's stories to distract me from my own. So I've got to strike a healthy balance with knowing who I am, knowing my story, and having as much empathy for my process, my imperfect process, as I do for other people to truly connect. Wow. So that's helping me connect some dots there. So in a way, you're saying um, for for you to even be someone that can forgive, you got to forgive yourself. For for anyone, for, for you to figure out what it means to go out and love your neighbor, you got to figure out how to learn yourself. For you to um, extend mercy to someone, you probably need to extend yourself some mercy. Am I, am I hearing you right? That's it. Yeah, I think it's... Yeah. Uh, I think it's empathy is, is a big empathy. one. I think empathy is kind of the doorway to grace, the doorway to mercy, the doorway to redemption. Wow, that's and cool. I, and I think um, we and, and here's the thing: it's not really one of the things I see the most in successful parents, leaders, you know, whatever you want to say. They're they're all the same. Is we're really uh, self-critical or pretty harsh on ourselves. We all have this internal dialogue that is pretty, um, you know, it's, it's tough. Mm-hmm. And we're usually our own worst critic. And, and it's not that you have to be able to shut that down, turn that off, and not have a demeaning thought about you and your process. It's just have to, you have to know that that part exists and have some empathy even on the part of yourself that judges yourself. That's what minimizes it. Right. Because I see far too many people and far too many solutions that come through our world that just the the method to manage it is to pretend like it doesn't exist or shut it down. Mm-hmm. That is not being a human being. Yep. We're going to be hard on ourselves. We need to get to know. And it's almost, you know, some people try to manage fear uh, by pushing fear away. And fear is not the problem. It's our relationship with fear. Mm. And so... I guess there's even a step before empathy, and that would be awareness. Right. Yeah, you you nailed it there. I think being aware um, of, of who we are, what we're doing, and and how we're relating to the people around you, and that's that's a good exercise. If, yeah. if, if you want to know, um, if, if you want to know how you're doing in the world, um, don't go ask your colleagues. Ask your family. Hmm. Ask the people around you in an honest way how you're how, how you're perceived and how you're impacting them that's a vulnerable question that's not yeah. something you do around the dinner table very much <laughs> yeah yeah no doubt almost like the, the the last place we would do a 360 um is the first place we need to do a 360 mm. which are the people close to us yeah everybody gets this fire in their belly to go change the world with the question first question may need to be what's going on within the four walls of your house um wow that's really good so um and I'm hearing you kind of say, and, and I've heard you say this before, that really internal affirmation must come before external validation. Um, and I would assume that that's really the work. When people show up on a Friday at Onsite, the work that's about to happen is how do you go to the inside? How do you peel back, get through the armor, get to the thing underneath the thing, uh, and be internally affirmed. And here's what I found from, from my moment a handful of years ago. Um, once you embark on this journey, uh, 
it's it's like discovery never ends. This isn't a oh well I found my true self and and now I'm done. Like there is more joy, more wonder, more awe, more whimsy than you could ever scoop out of this thing when you embark in this journey. Yeah, that's kind of the fun part. And earlier when you ask about how being self-aware, having come from some brokenness and owning it and trying to recover from it helps you as a leader, it does. But I will say, once you become have the ability to be an intuit or become you have a self-analyzing tool. It can be a two-way street. I don't think you need to live in in pathology forever. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I have done that. I would just, and I, I get so curious about my process and other people's processes that it, you almost you need to strike a balance to where you. I think you have to look back before you can go forward. Yeah. But you can't stay looking in the rearview mirror. Totally. Totally. Allow that. The past. The past is the past. Let's not constantly relive it. But now let's take what we learned from that and go out and, and do our work in the world. It's kind of like we, we tend to label everything as a, as a disorder, like attention deficit disorder, which, which I have. And I, I, don't, I, don't use, uh, I don't use the middle D. I don't think it's a deficit. Uh, hmm. As a matter of fact, um, you know, having the attention uh, challenge has really helped me multitask. There's a number of great leaders that have experienced that. And I see the same with a lot of people we work with have experienced uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, and uh, there's a growing movement uh, now called post-traumatic growth disorder that just kind of flips it on its head and talks a little bit more about not staying where you've been, but looking forward to who you're becoming. Wow. Beautiful. So what, um, talking about moving forward and, and moving into that beauty once you've, uh, and I know this is this is probably a daily thing, so I know it's not one and done, but what habits have you formed or rhythms have you established to really help you stay in alignment, stay internally affirmed, stay in that true self uh, as you go out? Is there is there anything you would share? Um, and it could be super simple or it could be something way out there, but I'd, I'd love to hear... Um, really what you found is things that keep you grounded in this. You know, I, a lot of people kind of want a formula. Uh, and, and, and some people, I, I'm not somebody who operates well with, with uh, as well with structure and formula as I do with I hear that. movement and flow. But um, for those that, that, that do, I'll give you two tracks. I'll give you the track that I use and the track that I think people who are a little more disciplined and could do the same thing every day. I'm not one of those. <laughs> but I respect those that do that. You may be I out think, on the river fishing. Right. Um, <laughs> but so the ones that do, I think there are some basic things that you can build in that have research behind them, which is uh, a simple one that I have done uh, at periods of time is, is just a gratitude list. Oh, yeah. Wake up and do it before you do anything. What am I grateful for? And that you may you may underestimate or think that seems pretty simple, but that can profoundly change the course of of your day and your outlook and your perception. And it actually can lower your ambient stress level just by doing it. Wow. Um, what I do uh, is I I try to look at it through the lens of um, I want to consistently be working on my uh, EQ. I want to raise my emotional awareness. 
And I call it emotional fitness. I want to remain emotionally fit because here's what I know. Life will not stop happening. Mm -hmm. So my relationship is going to hit a stressful turn next month, uh, maybe. Um, Or work, something's going to happen at work. Or I may deal with some grief and loss. Something, life is going to continue. And what we tend to do is we don't access, work with, or live in an emotional space until we have to. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like a, a marathon runner not training a day and going out and try to run the Boston Marathon. Yeah. And what we, I think what we have to do and what I do is I have to remain emotionally fit. It's not a one-and-done deal. It's something you do every day. And what it looks like for me is I have to have um, interaction and connection with people in, a, in my circle and without to have deep conversations uh, on a, a daily and weekly basis. And I don't, that doesn't mean I'm going to unpack, unpack all my baggage every day. That would be exhausting. And I think people would are probably turning off the podcast at this point. <laughs> right. But it, it's more or less, I, I need my touch points with depth. Huh. I need, what, I, what I need to be reminded of more than anything is that when somebody asks me how I'm doing, I don't go to find. Hmm. I get honest. And honest and honest may be, especially with the people I trust. You know what? I'm struggling. Got some anxiety debt. Here's where it is. It's between about a one and a ten. I don't have to dig into why. Just acknowledging that I have it keeps me in an emotional it keeps me in an emotionally aware space, which keeps me emotionally fit, which keeps me alive and walking around connected to the people around me in a more present way. That's beautiful. And and I would assume and I'm gonna riff a little bit off of uh some of Liz Gilbert's writings, but when you stay in that posture uh, of being emotionally fit or maybe say emotionally tuned in, don't you experience kind of the, the challenges and hurdles that come your way? Don't they become more life is happening for you than life is happening to you? Don't, don't you, don't, can't you, and I know it's not every time, but more often than not, don't you think instead of the, initially turning to a challenge or a hurdle that comes your way and really looking at it as a problem, when you're emotionally fit, you may start to approach those things as more of a possibility, as more an opportunity, maybe even an invitation uh, for something beautiful. Would you say that that's somewhat right? I would. I, I think it, it sets us up as human beings to be able to lean in instead of run from. And that, that kind of changes everything. It, Getting yourself in more of an empathetic response allows you to be generous and graceful towards the world around you. And, you know, I like, uh, I love Liz's work and, and I like what Trene says about just making a generous assumption that people are doing the best they can, including ourselves. Right, right. That that will shift your world. Um, the next time someone says, can you believe he or she did that? And you follow that up with, yeah, you know what, they're doing the best they can. Um, Watch what happens. <laughs> that is a curveball when someone throws that your way. It's an opportunity to enter pessimism, cynicism, or gossip, or whatever. And when you just go, yeah, they're doing the best they can, um, it really does shift your posture towards the world. I mean, it'll, it, it's changed me at a molecular level sometimes uh, seeing through those lenses. I think it, it, it definitely gives an opportunity for... It's one of the fastest ways for... for differences to kind of evolve and to start looking at obstacles as opportunities when, and, and, and again, that's why I always like to say it's a two-way street or empathy starts with you. It's it's that when you experience and or hear, uh, you know, 
gossip or dishonesty or image management or even numbing out. If the first step is an internal audit and be like, do I do that? And, and here's the, the tip of the day is if you're a human being, you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point in our lives, we all gossip. We're all dishonest. We all numb We are because we're human beings. And if I've got empathy going that way, then you can't help but get it going the other way. Wow. That's good. That's gold right there. Um, so this is some stuff I always like to ask guys like yourself. And first one is, um, have you read or discovered anything lately that has shifted your thinking, consciousness, or worldview? And you can answer that any way you want, from books to ideas, people, the understanding. Um, is there anything new that's come your way that's helped you see the world differently? You know, that's a great question. I, I, I will honestly admit that I I tend to read more um, affirming. Uh, in other words, I read my friends' work, and I agree with all <laughs> them. It makes me feel pretty smart. <laughs> but I, 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 I honestly need to read some stuff that challenges me a little bit more. But if I were to think about what lately or what right now is something uh, that I've discovered, I'd probably say, look, I've, I've been working with, uh, you mentioned Dr. Phil in the beginning, I've been working with him and in, in, in the show for years. And I have been reading a lot and learning a lot about uh, empathy uh, and, and confrontation as an effective change tool. Well, anybody who watches Dr. Phil knows that he's kind of a master at confrontation. Mm-hmm. That's one of his, the first tools he uses is how's that working for you? And he'll, he's not scared to go in and ask a hard question and cut through all the stuff. And I have been more on leaning towards confrontation uh, based on some research that I've been reading is not a, uh, an effective. Uh, in other words, it doesn't necessarily create long-lasting sustainable change according to some schools of thought. Interesting. <laughs> necessary times sometimes, but the push or pull people where we think they need to go, it becomes more our idea in, than theirs. Wow. And therefore it's an external shift instead of an internal shift. So I've been I've been kind of on that track. But I will say uh, uh, we're in the new season of uh, season fifteen and I've been out there the last couple Mondays and did a segment and and I watched him do what he does and, and I don't always agree necessarily with, with every uh, method but at the end of the day, the result was unbelievable. Hmm. And and so I, I'd say that's something that shifted a perspective of mine uh, lately. Is I, He had to, to go pretty hard into some um, difficult waters, and he came out with a lot of heart and sympathy at the heart and empathy at the end. And we may have gone about it different ways, but ultimately we came together and worked together on these cases, and we're getting the people the help that they need. Same outcome. Yeah. And so that's something that's, that, that's changed or shifted recently. Gotcha. Beautiful. Um, what advice would you give to your younger self? It's okay to, to not be okay. Huh. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. I, I, I think of a huge permission slip that um, you can, you are not alone and not living up to the standard, which we see, in, in the media around us. It just doesn't exist. And uh, you're going to get messages from school, from church, from uh, all the imperfect uh, structure that we put around you that tells you that you're not enough based on who you are, and it's just not true. 
Mm-hmm. And it's okay to be to, to be a mess at times. It's okay to not be okay. Um, I, I think about as a young person um, how tired I was mm-hmm. um, trying to manage and keep up and and be somewhat of a chameleon. Uh, all things to all people, just to feel like I could breathe. And mm-hmm. when I when I began to cut the, the external validation oxygen strings that used to uh, you know keep me going and, and begin to get my work from the inside out, it changed everything. So that if, if any nobody may remember all of our our curiosity and fascination with the change process through here, but if you remember anything today, it's a big permission slip. To, to, to just be okay not being okay, and you can talk about it. That's beautiful. That's a good word. Oh, yeah, you can take a deep breath after that. Um, <laughs> so what's the best way for us to follow you and what you're doing? I know um, we can go to milesadcox.com. If anyone has curiosity and wants to know what's going on uh, at Onsite, I think the website is onsiteworkshops.com. Is that right? It is, yeah. And uh, social media... Uh, you can follow Miles Adcox both on Twitter, Instagram, at Miles Adcox. Um, Miles, we are grateful for you, man, and for your insight, your curiosity, um, and your generosity in giving us some of your time today. I know that uh, you're super busy, but I know that um, I'm hoping that people are going to find some hope, find some oxygen in these words, and uh, you may have some new guests coming your way soon. Uh, well, thank you. Hey, I appreciate it. And I'm honored to be a part of it, one, but thanks for doing what you're doing. I think we need more of this. And when you asked me earlier, what do I do? Um, I start days sometimes having conversations like these. And so I just appreciate your integrity and, and your heart and your depth and your work. So thanks for letting me be a part of it. Beautiful, man. We'll right back at you and uh, hope our paths can cross soon. All right. Okay, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Thank Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Miles as much as I did. So much beauty was unpacked there. Uh, Empathy, self-awareness, so much gold. I hope uh, some of that spoke to you um, and uh, gave you some hope as you approach this week. Make sure you follow what he's doing at milesadcox.com. And uh, if you're curious about Onsite, go to onsiteworkshops.com. And as you approach this week, may you pause by the orchid, listen to the bluebirds sing, and be loved.